From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and New Album Review Podcast. (laughs) I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we celebrate Moral Victory Weekend for the Browns and the Cavs, talk NFL Week 8, throw out our pumpkin spice hot takes, and then go off the field for what else? Another all-ear segment. Because one of our favorites, the Gaslight Anthem, released a new album this weekend. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, aren't you sick of new music? That's impossible. No, I will never be sick of new music. Stapleton releases an album in two weeks. We have to review it. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, at least we get a break. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'll never get sick of it. One of my favorite things is, you know, Friday right at midnight to see what, what's coming out and what I want to listen to for the next hour or so before I doze off in a chair. I like new music as much as the next guy, but I really think we need musicians to go on strike for a while so we can find oh, some other no. things to talk about. As long as we're having a good time, why don't we start at home with Skid Marks, our weekly look at the brown and orange road to the Super Bowl. Browns dropped a tough one today in Seattle, coming back from a 14-point deficit to take control of the game, but not by enough. Browns can't close out the lead and end up losing 24-20. They are now 4-3 and three in a three-way tie for second place in the AFC North. Give me your 60, your 60-second take on the Browns' loss today. A brutal start to the game defensively, but they sure turned it around, found that rhythm, seven straight third-down stops. Uh, and it was a real gutsy first half, and I thought, um, for the most part, Stefanski called a really great game. Uh, I felt like he was almost scheming for yards against this team, which certain plays were just the perfect call at that time. It looked good. But again, I see, I feel like I say this almost every week, uh, needs to learn to take into account his players' limitations when making big decisions in big moments. And I keep hoping he's going to improve in that area and it just isn't happening. So I'll do it. Uh, I thought for a uh, third-string quarterback, P.J. Walker was bowling. I think at times Martin Emerson Jr. plays like a future pro bowler. Screens work. Empty sets lead to bad things. Uh, I would have ran it on third and three. Uh, And that drop pick six will haunt my dreams tonight. But shout-out to Cooper and to Joku and all three running backs. Go Browns. That was really good, Chuck. I I don't know how I'm going to top that, but I'll I'll give it my best. Um, I went into today's game. And in my mind, I had already scheduled it as a loss, like I did the last two weeks. So you know there's a little bit of hope back somewhat, right? And the game started off, we're down 14 nothing before, you know, it's like halfway through the first quarter. I'm like, all right, this is, there's no way. This team cannot come back against this team in Seattle, already given up two touchdowns on two possessions. And in fact, I think they gave up a score on every possession of, of the Seahawks in the first quarter. And then from about 14 nothing all the way until two minutes and four seconds left in the game, everything went right. The defense stopped them every time they took the field. The Browns offense, while not dominating, moved the ball. They got the ball with good field position after turnovers. They, they moved the ball into inside the 10 twice and settled for field goals. So that's kind of where my, my summary is going to, to lead me is – this team with PJ Walker at the helm does not have that margin for error. If you get the ball inside the 10 and you settle for field goals, you're just keeping the other team in the game. The Seahawks didn't score at all after the first quarter until the last score of the game. And it happened to be a touchdown and we ended up losing. I, I think three turnovers and field goals instead of touchdowns is, is why we leave the Pacific Northwest with an L. I'm with you guys on how ugly it felt early. 
and how this just felt like it was about to be kind of that typical Browns are getting creamed by somebody game. And I was really impressed with the way they righted the ship on defense and all those third downs that they stopped them on are, are really impressive to see. And they found a way to move the ball with, in my opinion, a really deficient quarterback. Uh, I don't think PJ Walker was balling today. I'm going to disagree with Chuck on that one. <laughs> I think that dude left a lot of points and a lot of plays out there. And I think there are a lot of times where on those third and shorts, he just decides I'm throwing the ball to Amari Cooper no matter what. And that costs them. And we're going to get to it. They made mistakes at times or they failed to make plays at times in situations where they just couldn't to win a game against a good team in a really tough environment. There may not be great home field advantages in every NFL stadium, but that's one where they have it. And it's a tough place to steal a win. And they just didn't make enough plays in the end to do it. But in the end, I don't know that I'm that disappointed because it's a really hard game to win no matter who's on the field. And we don't have, we don't have our studs. You know, we can always go back to Chubb not being there. Uh, we can go back to Watson not being there. We can go back to the offensive line not being 100%. That's what costs them that game. You know, they just don't have the players who can make the plays when they need to, and P.J. Walker wasn't the guy. Disappointing. I don't finish watching that game and, and evaluate that loss as, oh, God, typical Browns. You know, like that was an impressive performance that just came up a little bit short. All three of us, I think, kind of mentioned it. What do you think of the final play call? Throwing a pass on third and three with two minutes and four seconds left instead of running the ball. Chuck, I think you've already kind of alluded to what you think, Phil. Given the tempo of, of that drive, they had run the ball like five or six straight plays and were moving the sticks, right? So I think in that moment, and, and didn't they didn't they take a timeout right before that too? Something. They yeah. stopped. Yeah. They were able to like kind of collect themselves. So I think in that moment, I understand the desire to go and win the game. So get this first down and then it's, it's, you're just running the ball until they, and to, to force the, the, the other team to call timeouts. But I don't know. I think in that moment, cooler heads, like, all right, run the ball again, because worst case, worst case here, short of a fumble, worst case here is they don't convert and you punt and you give them maybe 90 to 80 yards of field to look at instead of that ridiculous you know, ricochet pick that, that ends up, all right, they've got to basically complete two passes and they're in field goal range. And then they march on the field. But so I, I, I get why it was a pass called, I guess, because of the flow of the game, but I really think like risk reward there. I, I don't, I don't know what, what's happening. I, I will say this, like on a, on a one view on TV from, I think the defensive view after it went off the dude's face, I think PJ Walker was throwing the triple coverage there anyway. So I'm not quite sure that pass would have ended up quite well anyway. Um, it, so from a play call perspective, yeah, hindsight being 2020, but even so you were getting three and four yards on a push on a good run up the middle, that whole drive. I'm honestly not sure how I feel about this. I think a lot of times we get into these play calling discussions because the play didn't work. And yeah. that's the only reason why. I'm going to lay out an argument for passing, and then, Chuck, I'm going to give you the final word to tell me why oh, I'm wrong. Okay. They're expecting the run. You've been running it and running it and running it. So there's an opportunity to maybe get them a little bit off balance. You're not concerned about running any more clock on that play because the two-minute warning is already coming. You know the clock is going to stop no matter what. You really need that first down to lock up the game. 
that first down probably wins you the game because now they've got to start using timeouts. And I just don't think you make a play call on the assumption that your quarterback is going to make a mistake, even if your quarterback is P.J. Walker. At some point, you got to say, hey, these are the guys we put out there. This is the play that gives us the most options to try to get a first down. And so you run it. And ultimately, it's not a bad play call. You talk about some of those uh, photos you've seen after the game, and Ford was wide open in the middle of the field. You dump it to him, and he falls down, and he's got the first down. Uh, on the other sideline, Njoku was open. What it really comes down to is the quarterback didn't make the read right again. He locked onto Amari Cooper and wanted to go there. And it's also just dumb fucking luck that the ball hits somebody's helmet and ricochets 15 <laughs> yards down the field. Like, that's just not stuff that you can ever calculate into the play that you're going to call. Again, I, I wish they had run it because – you know, maybe they would have gotten it and they would have won the game. But I think that's the argument for passing it in that situation. Chuck, why am I wrong? I don't know if you're wrong. We're looking at this after it's happened, right? And you you already alluded to Gerber. If he completes that pass, it's a different story. They run out the clock. They, they more than likely win that game. The reason I said I want him to run that ball is because I don't care that they ran it seven times in a row. Uh, statistically, your running backs, no matter who was on the field, were averaging about 3.9 to 4.1 yards a carry. Even if you don't get it, I defer to Phil what he said. You pin them a little bit deeper than you would have anyway. And up until that point, the defense was playing so well. If they go down the field 80 yards or 75, whatever it is, tip your cap, go home, and you say, hey, it's not a moral victory, but whatever. I understand both options. But to me... I would have liked to see them run the ball just because they had some success with it. But again, if if he completes that pass, because I saw the same picture you did, Gerb, Jerome Ford is sitting really on that first down line. And if he just falls forward, because there's nobody around him, game's over. If he goes into Joko on the other side, and I kind of go back to my PJ was balling thing for a third string quarterback, he was balling, but you're right. Yeah. He doesn't really look at many other options. He, he really, his head stays in one direction when he drops back. Uh, if he scans the field a little better, Maybe we win this game. So I don't know who's right or wrong. I think th there's good arguments on both sides. But since I said I would like to see the run, I'm going to go with the run. Even if they didn't get the first down, I would have liked to see them run there. I think running it was probably the smarter play. But I think Stefanski called a good game pretty much all game. I'm, I yep. guess I'm not going to fault yep. him for it in that situation. So is it time to make a move for another quarterback? I don't know. Like who who is available? Who 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 is going to play better? Is it is it Brissett? Is that really could the be. only option? It's a guy you can bring in who right away he knows, knows the, the playbook. Right. Yeah, yeah. In in a perfect world, I guess. But I know he was ranked in in like the top ten of Browns quarterbacks of all time from nineteen ninety nine to yeah. now. However, the only thing I remember him doing really well was falling forward on fourth and yep. one. Honestly, right. I'm not saying PJ Walker's a stud. I don't know if DTR is going to play better than PJ Walker. I, I think they're just biding their time until Deshaun Watson is somewhat healthy and, and then we'll bring him back because you know what you're going to get. I, I think DTR and PJ Walker are going to be interchangeable at this point is my guess. Other than maybe DTR is a little more elusive if he's going to run. It's a fan base. They think if you bring in Jacoby Brissett, we win all these games that Deshaun Watson is not playing. And I don't know if that's the case. I, I'm not sure. I think you have a, a roster here that's a win-now thing. 
And I'd like to see somebody come in who who might give you a better chance to win these games if Deshaun Watson's going to linger or go on the IR for four weeks or whatever that is. But I don't know who's a better I don't know who's a better option. The, the other end of it too is like, is Minnesota going to be in the market for a quarterback now with with Kirk Cousins being out for the rest of the year? So we were the only team who might have made trade a Watson to him <laughs> for a bunch of picks. Yeah. I, <laughs> So I thought the Browns were the only player who would possibly at the deadline look for a solidifying backup who could lead this team a little better than the, the talent they have right now. But maybe that's not the case. So so if they do, okay. If they don't, I'm in the same thing. It's, it's like, okay, either way to me, I don't think it, it gets you over the hump to these games that we didn't think they would win anyway, that they're actually winning or they're yeah. beyond competitive in. So I don't know if that fixes the issue. So I, I I wouldn't celebrate or not celebrate on Tuesday if something happens or nothing happens. The reason I asked the question is because this was a game that was winnable, that P.J. Walker, in my view, didn't look good enough to win. Is it half a tick better with Brissett and you win that game? That That's why I'm asking. I, I think Jacoby Brissett loses the game the same way, same way P.J. Walker loses this game. Uh, and, and I think... You know, you think back to last year and Jacoby Brissett was a a good serviceable backup for more than half the season when they knew going into the season you weren't going to have your starter at all until week 11 or whatever it was. Right. Um, but I remember uh, Jacoby Brissett also not getting the Browns over the hump in games that they should have won. Like we lost we lost the most one to two point games in the entire NFL last year, right? Like that's what, that's what they did. So I don't know that it makes much of a difference. I they're two and one in the last three games with PJ Walker against teams that I, I don't think I had them going two and one. If we had Chubb and, and Watson playing, I don't know if it makes that big of a difference. I think internally, if they just think like PJ Walker doesn't get the offense, then you would maybe make that move because Brissett could come in and he knows the offense. I also think that Unfortunately, uh, and maybe typical of the Browns, I guess, is they didn't put Watson on the IR, which means they think he might be back in a week. He right. might be back in two weeks. He might be back in three weeks. But if the thought is he's not going to be back for four weeks, then you put him on the IR and they haven't. So I'm with Chuck. Like if they don't make a move on Tuesday, I'm not going to care. If they do make a move and it's Jacoby Brissett, I'm also not going to care because this team isn't going to be the team that we hope it is until Deshaun Watson comes out there and plays like a, an all pro quarterback. And we haven't seen that yet, even when he does take the field. So we got to get that ramped up too. I guess today was the first day that I thought, man, maybe it's a good idea because it felt like this Watson thing could stretch out for who knows how long. And it's a game that we could have won. It's a game that we could have won with a little bit better quarterback play, I think. And would somebody like Brissett be better? I, I couldn't imagine bringing in a guy cold who's never been in the system or never been on the team and would have to learn everything fresh. That seems like a disaster. I think I'd rather just stick with Walker at that point uh, and just get him more of those first team reps, but we'll see. I think I'm done talking about losing for the Browns. Why don't we look ahead to next week? Browns welcome the Arizona Cardinals to the land. Everybody, including Kyler Murray, pick the Browns to win. <laughs> Anyone want to change their pick for next week? No, P.J. Walker doesn't drop two in a row. Oh, boy. All right. Well, <laughs> if it happened in the XFL, it must happen in the NFL. <laughs> Hopefully the Browns get back to their winning ways next week. This division is going to be tough, I think, all the way down to the end. And so we need to start um, making sure the Browns get some more wins. But we are going to move on 
to our first sip of wine and gold of the Cavs season, our weekly Cavs recap. Cavs got the season started in comeback fashion with a late win in Brooklyn on Wednesday night, followed that by letting a good game slip away in a loss to the Thunder on Friday night. And playing without three starters, the Cavs couldn't hold a lead against the Pacers and lost on Saturday night. So three games into the season, give me your three-game overreaction for the Cavs. <laughs> overreaction? All right, Mobley has no offense. Uh, we can't win without Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland. We're screwed. We can't We can't go out there and beat teams on the second, uh, second game of a back-to-back. All that's overreaction. Um, everything's fine, by the way. Everything is just fine. They f-ing stink at home. Is that a <laughs> is that a good overreaction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I'm sure. All right, that's what I'll go with. <laughs> My overreaction, I think, is is a positive one, and it might be irrational, but I think Okoro is a different guy this year. Yeah, like he had he had a really good night in Brooklyn. And he didn't score a ton in the games this weekend in Cleveland, but he just looked different. Like, I think this new pace of play for them really benefits him. I think they may actually try to use him as something other than just like the nerd who stands in the corner shooting threes. Like, let him get to the rim, let him handle the ball, let him play make a little bit. I think he's showing that he's got the athleticism to do those things. I don't know. I think I'm irrationally exuberant about Isaac Okoro after three days. I'm really excited for what that guy may be able to do. Which stat do you hope stays consistent all season for the Cavs? Uh, First one, worst pace of play team last year. They're now 14th in the league after three games. Next one, Max Struess is averaging 18 a game right now. Uh, Next one, the Cavs are sixth in the league in three-point attempts per game. They are averaging more than 39 threes a game. Last one, Georgie's dad body, Niang, is averaging 8% on his three-point attempts. (laughs) Which of those stats do you hope holds for the entire season? I'm going to go with Struess. Um Looking like a very slick move for this front office, not just because of the of the first game uh, where he I know, either broke a record or tied for most. I, I actually hate that they took 42 three attempts in the first and second game. Like, this is not Golden State, please. I love the pace of play, though. I did enjoy it, even though I saw a lot of clanging uh, in the first two games. Um, but I like the way they move. So I'm hoping... Struess looks like a piece that this team desperately needed last year. And I don't know if he, he that slash line stays the same all year, but if it's a guy who really contributes and looks like he can hit a shot from anywhere at times, that's the trend I'd like to see happen for the rest of the season. That's the only answer of your question amongst the options you gave us is yeah. Max Struess. If we can, if we can keep him averaging 18 points a game, are you kidding me? That's, that's a, that's a win for the Cavs going forward. I mean, he had what 27, I think, in the first game and over 20 in the in the most recent game. Here's a shooting guard that can shoot the ball and can hit shots and isn't clogging up the lane. So I, I think what this, if this remains consistent, you might see when everyone's healthy, let's hope, um, some Mitch Mitchell Struce and and then Garland Struce out there instead of a bunch of Mitchell Garland kind of combo. Uh, and that might help this team over the long run. Garland Struess sounds like a fancy clothing line of some mm-hmm. kind. I like that. Mitchell Struess? Yeah, Mitchell Struess, even better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, the thing that really needs to change is not the fact that they're shooting, you know, in the top seven in the league for three-point attempts. It's that they're making their three-point attempts, I think they're 17th in the league. 
it's just not good math to take the sixth most and make the 17th most like that doesn't really work out but i'll be honest like i think that's the way the nba is now uh it's not like they're first in the league in three pointers so I say keep chucking them up. I think they got the dudes to make those shots this year. And 39 may seem like a lot because we're just not used to seeing it, but maybe it's not that much in the NBA now. So keep throwing up those threes, Cavs. All right, next week, Cavs play back-to-back games against the Knicks. That's what happens when you let ChatGPT make the schedule. The first is Tuesday night in Cleveland. Then they go Wednesday in New York. Uh, Cavs then travel to Indiana to play the Pacers for the second time in less than a week and close the week Sunday evening in the land with a game against those NorCal (laughs) the Warriors. So winning week for the Cavs? Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it sounds like a two and two week, just the way the schedule breaks down. You got to play the same team twice in two nights on two different courts. I don't know. Maybe the energy of the midseason tournament starting next week will, uh, will will boost this team and and they'll get three wins, but I, I feel two and two. I'm I'm with Phil. I think it's a, an even Stephen week. I don't like back to backs in the NBA, and for this team that's dealing with some nagging and lingering injuries, the first part of this schedule is really tough for them. Facing adversity this early might be good for this team later in the year, but for right now, I think two and two is probably a pretty good week. I agree with you guys. I think I'd be happy at two and two. I have a feeling they might not make it, like especially if Garland Mitchell continue not to be able to play because of injuries or only one of them can play or even if they're limited because of those that that's a tough way to start the year with those kind of nagging injuries so hopefully um they get that stuff squared away because there's nobody bad in the nba anymore there's like two bad teams and so you can't you can't come out the gate like one and seven or one and eight and and not be worried about what that's going to mean at the end of the season so hopefully they get things figured out but we are going to close out this segment there we're going to take our first break we're going to come back hit the road talk some more nfl welcome back fellas to our second segment we'll head out on the road and we'll start in the nfl with a look around at the week eight storylines tell me what you think was the dumbest game of today the jets beat the giants 13 to 10 in overtime It took extra time to get to 13 points in that game. Panthers got a win over the Texans, 15 to 13. Next one, Jacksonville got a win over the Steelers, and Mitch Trubisky got to play a bunch. Lastly, the Bears are playing the Chargers right now on Sunday Night Football, and I just don't understand who's in charge of scheduling these games. So, which was the dumbest game of today? Can I go off script and say... Sure, if you found another dumb one. Your Broncos putting yeah. it to the Chiefs? Yeah. A team that We're got... We're going to get to it. We're oh, okay, sorry. Okay, then I'll stick to your script then. Uh, I'm going to go um, with the Jets and the Giants because Tyrod Taylor, that poor bastard, was in the hospital again. Like his, Didn't his lung collapse here in Cleveland? They made him play yeah. for like a couple of years. Like that poor guy, but that that's major mark the biggest market in the country with two teams in it and they're both awful with backup quarterbacks uh i'm glad i didn't watch one second of it thank you for telling me that it went to overtime here's why i think that exact game was the dumbest game this week i didn't watch a second of it either i saw it on the crawl that it went to overtime and then when they went to i think it might have been because that was a one o'clock game i think right so it must have been at halftime of the browns game they're going through like their quick synopsis of what's happened so far today And when they started talking about that game 
and they said the words it set a record for punts within a game i oh, changed yeah. the channel i'm like what else like, i don't even want to see the highlight i don't care so it had to be the dumbest game well we're three for three that obviously just just absolutely terrible like had to be the boringest game to watch i did not watch any of it but i did see some of it um as i was watching the red zone because i was watching that steelers jacksonville game that's the one we got locally here uh, for the one o'clock starts so yeah jets giants just awful uh and it's something because there were a lot of bad games on the slate this week it's something to be the winner of the worst let's move on as we stand today no team in the nfc south has a winning record that's falcons saints bucks and panthers i think the falcons are leading the division i think they're four and four right now i think they're they're 500 so Revisiting a question I think we've asked every year on this show about at least one division and maybe about this one more than once, but will this division be won by a team with a losing record? No, I think I, we, me and Phil both picked the Saints to win it. I don't know if they're going to win it. Maybe the Bucks can because I've watched a little bit of those games. Tough draw for them on Thursday night for Baker to lose to the Bills, but I don't think it's not going to be like, God, who was the one team who made it in? Was it Carolina one year? Did they make it in with a, when Cam Newton was there with a, Record yeah, under 500. Yeah. yeah, I hope that that can't happen again in the NFL. Parity rules. I, I definitely think it can happen this year. I don't think it will. I think that I think the Saints um, get to nine wins. Five more. <laughs> you know, I'm actually hoping that somebody with a losing record does win it because I'm really hoping that my Bucks pick holds out. And I don't know if they were good enough to have a winning record this year. So if the Bucks are going to win it, it's everybody's going to have to be bad and somebody – is going to have a losing record in the NFC South and win the division. All right. So did the Browns break the San Francisco 49ers? The 49ers lost today to the Bengals pretty badly. I think it was 31-17 when it was all said and done. That's their second straight loss since losing to the Browns. So that's three games in a row they've lost since they beat up on the Cowboys. Are the 49ers broken? Maybe. I'd like the Browns to take credit for at that point, beating the best team, what I thought in football, you know, they have some injuries with Debo Samuel, who's a dynamic player. I'm not saying that's why they've lost their games. A guy who's drafted last in the draft can't be a fucking MVP. Please stop trying to shove that down my throat early in a season. And the truth is, like, Minnesota was taking a turn until today. Like, they were playing really good football, and the Bengals are playing better football. Maybe they're just not as good as we thought they are, but I do want to, I do want the Browns to take credit. Yes, the Browns have broken the 49ers because <laughs> it might be the only thing we break all year. The stats would prove that the Browns did, in fact, break the 49ers because I think ever since that game, Purdy just throws picks after picks. And yeah, he's been they bad. Can't, yeah, he's not been playing well at all. I saw a couple highlights today, at least two, at least two picks that he threw to Cincinnati today. So losing to the Browns the way they did, I don't blame them one bit. I'd be broken too. I'm not going to disagree with you guys. I think this is fantastic. I think the Browns play a physical brand of football. And when you're done with us, you know, it might take you a couple of weeks to bounce back. And if it's not the Browns breaking the 49ers, it, it could definitely be just time running out on uh, the Cinderella story of Brock Purdy. I mean, that may be it. Like he, he really has looked a lot more like PJ Walker the last couple of weeks than he has like Tom Brady. So maybe it's just the end of the run for a guy who was hitting a little bit out of his division uh, with the way that he'd been playing. All right, moving on. Scale of one to five, one being ghosts, five being vampires. How much do you believe in the Chiefs after they got creamed today by the Broncos? One being ghosts, 
five being vampires? How much do I believe in the Chiefs? <laughs> Ghost, uh, ghosts are clearly a real thing. Ghosts oh, I thought, exist. I thought vampires were real. No? All right. I don't All think right. so. <laughs> I, I do not believe in the Kansas City chefs. I do. I don't. They, I think they're fake. Um, we, we said it even when they were winning. Like, they just don't look... They don't look the same, right? Like it, to lose to the Denver Broncos and and screw up your prediction for the season potentially, right? Like they yeah. can't win another game, right? Is that the Bron- Broncos' second win, or or did I think they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they got to stay in pet now for you to. It's their third win. Oh no! So Gerber's already wow. lost that prediction. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. Yeah, screw the Chiefs. So it's a one for me. <laughs> the question was, do I believe that they're not great or they are great? I understand. You believe the scale. in them. Do you believe Pat, in them? Is Patrick Mahomes a vampire? I think is what he is. <laughs> I do. I still believe in the Chiefs because the question, I don't know because I don't watch it, was our sweet angel baby in Denver today? Was Taylor he there? Was or not? not. That was well, that's my follow-up. Uh, that's well the then problem. uh I do still believe in the Chiefs. It's just shocking to me that a team that got 70 put up on them last week comes and beats what I think is the best team in the AFC. I think the Chiefs are always going to be good, so I say I believe in them. It's a it's a one. Sometimes you just you have a turd on a Sunday, and that that was their turd. Hopefully, they didn't score a touchdown. Three field goals. It was yeah. really cold today. Yeah. I think it, it might have snowed there. So definitely snowed like pregame. They showed all the pictures oh. of that, but they clear off the field so well now. It sucks. Like you don't get these snow games anymore. Thin air. Um, I'm about a two and a half. I'm somewhere in the middle because I was already kind of starting to not believe in them because. They haven't beat a lot of good teams. They've beaten a bunch of bad teams and lost to good teams. And now they lost to the team that I think is just the worst. So I am not a very strong believer in the Kansas City Chiefs right now, but I'm not ready to go like full vampire with them because they do have the track record and they do have the best quarterback in football still on their team. All right, moving off the field a little bit. Reports are that the NFL may seek to impose a suspension on Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh if he tries to leave Michigan to avoid punishment for cheating. Set aside that it's hilarious because it's <laughs> Harbaugh and Michigan. Is it fair for the NFL to do that? I guess the NFL, they can do whatever they want. It's the NFL, right? Oh, uh, is, is it, it fair? fair? No, yeah. it's not fair. I mean, it's like, it's not the American way. If you want to pursue a promotion in your field, pursue it right right especially as you go to like the professional ranks but um well i think the question is is that like okay you broke the rule in college why is it fair for the nfl to punish you it's and not, they've it's, done this some with like players like i think it might have been like reggie bush or something like that um when he came into the nfl he was suspended for a period of time they just made up a reason uh, but it was because of what had happened at usc and the yeah. same thing with terrell Pryor. When he came into the league, he was suspended a little bit to match what he would have been suspended in college. Now, I don't know if they've ever done it with coaches. Maybe they did it with Trestle. They did a little bit with Trestle. Yeah. Clearly not with yeah. Urban Meyer. But, you know, it's. Um, I think <laughs> it's not fair, but will they do it? Probably. It's funny because you kind of mentioned where I was going here. It, it's completely unfair. The, the College football is not a minor league system for base or for for the NFL. Whatever happens there should have no bearing on what happens in a professional league. I was going to bring up Trestle too, because it feels like not that Trestle would have been an NFL coach, but Trestle, I don't know if, did he ever coach again anywhere after? Right. No. So my guess is if, if Harbaugh gets shit canned and gets blackballed, 
I think we're both, all of us will be listening to the Harbaugh Trestle podcast together where they will talk about <laughs> college football and how they were wrong. That's, I guess that's the only way they can go, but no, it, it's completely unfair. They're, they're two separate entities. I, I don't understand why uh, a professional league would blackball something that happened in a collegiate atmosphere. It doesn't make any sense to me. We all agree again. This is ridiculous. I have no love for Jim Harbaugh. I think it's hilarious that they may be getting caught cheating and he may get in trouble. He may have to leave Michigan just when he's finally got him playing really well. That that hits all the notes of all the things I love in this world. <laughs> but he doesn't deserve to be. And it's not fair for him to be punished by the NFL for breaking a rule that is an NCAA rule. Like those are two separate organizations entirely it's like me breaking a rule as a bartender and getting suspended from like my practice as an attorney like this just doesn't make any sense these are two totally separate yeah. things wait, one wait, has wait. nothing to do with the other what rule was it <laughs> <laughs> i'm probably know. giving out free drinks would be my guess yeah <laughs> be a good one maybe harbaugh should consult rick patino on how he survived mm -hmm. for 30-some years, violating yeah. everything he could right. possibly violate, professionally and personally in the NCAA. That's right. I just don't see the need to take an unprovoked shot at the great Rick Patino. <laughs> oh, come on. on. <laughs> We're going to move on from this. Why don't we jump into our pumpkin spice fall hot shots, our hot takes from around the sports world. And speaking of college, let's go nuts. Buckeyes won 24-10 in Wisconsin but it was closer than many people in the Burke home thought it should be for most <laughs> of the game. Are the Buckeyes a mediocre team dressed as a contender for Halloween? No. I mean, they have a, they have a mediocre quarterback, but they have a national championship defense, man. Like, that defense is solid. Travion Henderson coming back really helped. Uh, I'm not going to call him. Uh, I do not want to call uh, Harrison Jr. by his car name, but he had again two touchdowns. Don't ever yeah. do that. No, I won't. But like McCord is just kind of eh. But he he had two picks. But still, like they find a way to get it done against quality. Wisconsin is a quality opponent still at five and two or whatever they were. Their offense, we've just been blessed to see what it's looked like, and their defense is what prevented them from winning a national championship. And now it's kind of flipped here. So maybe it's the offense that doesn't get it done this year, but. It's a solid win, and I don't know why people are kind of shitting all over them. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. They're doing what they're supposed to do. Much, much better Ohio State Buckeyes teams went into Wisconsin at night and lost. Year That's after true. year, yep. right? Yep. Be it Trestle's teams, be it Urban Meyer's teams, whoever it was. So I don't understand why any of the Buckeye honks would be pissed off at this last week's game. Like it's you go in there and you, you win the game. That's what you did. You have a Heisman candidate wide receiver. You have a defense that's better than any Ohio state defense we've seen since Trestle was on the sidelines and you got a mediocre quarterback in college. That might be a national championship uh, recipe right there. So we'll see how the rest Mac of the year goes. Jones. <laughs> True. You say Alabama. Any. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly it's kind of hard to watch these games because we're so spoiled and we're so used to seeing great quarterback play in Ohio state. And it's just not happening. Like this is a young kid. Like maybe he'll still develop into something. That's where the limitation is much of the way. The Browns might be limited by PJ Walker's play, despite having a good defense and some other skill players. It feels like that's what's happening to the Buckeyes. I don't know. Michigan's just been rolling over people so much that it's, it's hard to, see these games, watch the Buckeyes play, and think that they've got a shot at beating the Wolverines. But 
hey, they just keep winning, and if they just do keep doing that against Michigan, they'll, they'll pull that one out too. So, all right, moving on. We are two games into the World Series that no one wanted. The Rangers and the Diamondbacks are tied at a game apiece. Who's winning the World Series? I think mathematically the Rangers are going to win it now because they're undefeated this postseason on the road, and they have to go play three games in Arizona. Oh, and they This have is one almost win. over then. Yeah. yeah, so they're going to go into Arizona and win three in a row because they're 8-0 so far in this postseason on the road, which is ridiculous to think about. So I think Texas wins it. Yeah, I hope Texas wins it too. I, I shockingly have not watched one pitch. I didn't even know if they're like two games in until I started looking at stuff today. I know that somebody hit a walk-off. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, I hope Texas wins because who likes Arizona? <laughs> well, I have family out in Arizona. That's where Tamley, Tammy's uh I meant the Diamondbacks. Are. are they playing for the Diamondbacks in the World Series? <laughs> if they are, we should definitely if, be rooting for that. That's them. true, yeah. <laughs> if they are, the Rangers know. are definitely going to win. <laughs> They're in their 70s, I believe, so probably not doing really well. Cunny um, thumbers? Yeah. <laughs> they're all cunny thumbers. Or, or they're Diamondbacks honkers. I've never heard of a honker before. I didn't even know what that one was. Buckeye honkers. But, uh, all right, so we're all on the Rangers to win the World Series. <laughs> NFL trade deadline is Tuesday. Would you be willing to bet a Reese's cup or a candy corn that some big names will be moving in the NFL on Halloween? And if you don't get it, I really love Reese's cups and candy corns are disgusting. So that's kind of what I've based this on. Yeah. This is the, the easiest scale you've ever laid out there in, in my mind. Like I, I got that right away. Um, big names moving on Tuesday. The NFL is weird, right? Like that doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. You don't get the, the big, the big guys moving around. Um, I'm going to say this year, though, given the landscape, I I think I'll I think I'll bet my Reese's. I think a big name gets traded, and I and I think it might be Derrick Henry. I'm closer to the Reese's too. I think this is you know like the the first year where you might see an active trade deadline comparatively to other major sports leagues, and I mean comparatively, like one or two guys who you know their actual names get traded in the NFL because there's Bronco guys. They they were even though they won today, they were kind of using today as a, as a litmus test, if they're going to unload some guys. So Jerry Judy may move, who knows? I think Derrick Henry's a good name, uh, but they also, oh the God, they look great. Those, as much as I hated the Oilers growing up, those jerseys are so f-ing great, man. <laughs> like they should wear those all the time. And there's some needs for teams who are trying to make a push. So I would bet like comparatively to years past, if one or two big names move, that's a massive trade deadline. So yeah, I'm going close to Reese's. I think I'm on the candy corn end. I just think in the NFL, these things are all so close. And, you know, I think you can be the Titans and still think we got a shot at making the playoffs. You know, it might not be a good shot, but we got a shot. Why would we trade like our best player? You know, let's ride them out and see what happens. Like I just, I just don't think NFL teams give up at the trade deadline the way like NBA teams do or major league baseball teams do. So I, I don't really think we're going to see much movement, but it certainly would be interesting to see it happen. And there are certainly some good players on some bad teams that I think would help other teams take that next step into the playoffs. So we'll see. But fellas, with that, we're going to close out this segment. We're going to take our final break. We're going to head off the field. And we're going to talk about music. <laughs> Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field. And tonight we go back to back and ear to ear with another all ears album review. I don't love repeating, but Gaslight Anthem released their new album 
and that cannot be ignored. History Books was released on Rich Mahogany Records, which is objectively funny. Um, <laughs> it's Gaslight's first new album since Get Hurt in 2014. So let's start by looking back. Do you have a favorite Gaslight Anthem song from one of their prior albums? And I'll give you a moment. Yeah, I'm going to need the Queen of Lower Chelsea. Chelsea, I love that song. Yeah. yeah. That and That's a Thousand Years is my favorite Gaslight Anthem song. Which Rocky. album is that on? It's on Get Hurt, which Get is Hurt. not their best album. but it's Right. On. That really oh. surprises me that your favorite one comes from... Real chunky album. guitar. It's it's just got a, like a chunkier guitar. Um, and I love the hook. They're kind of like, they're not really singing. They're like screaming out. It's really, it's a good song. That's my favorite Gaslight song. You're going to have to give me several minutes and here's why. Because I, unlike you guys, I have never been a Gaslight fan um, until you guys brought it up to me over the years that we've been doing this podcast. And I've put many Gaslight songs or at least a few on our uh, From the Land uh, All Ears playlist. Oh, we don't have time for you to go through all those. Thank God. No, no, no. I don't, <laughs> no, no, no. This, is te- this is technology. I, I think it might be like a thousand years is one that you guys have brought up in the past. And I went back and listened to uh, Get Hurt. And I'm like, oh, this is a yeah. good album. Then I went back and listened to 59. So I'm like, oh, this is a good album too, but kind of different. Like it's not as produced as you had mentioned, Gers. But I'll go with American Slang because it sounds cool. It's all right. <laughs> One of my favorites is Queen of Lower Chelsea. That's on American Slang. I love that song. But my favorite all-time Gaslight song is still I'd Have Called You Woody Joe from Sink or Swim, the one about the lead singer from The Clash. That is just um, everything about it, the lyrics, the guitar, the noise. Um, that is a kind of a punkier-sounding Gaslight than certainly what you get on Get Hurt and, and I think also what we got on uh, History Books, the latest album. Sonically, where do you think history books fits in the Gaslight catalog? It's a, to me, it's a it's a little different. This album to me is kind of like a love letter to themselves and to their fans because a lot of this stuff sounds like stuff from previous albums. However, uh, sonically, the more down tempo songs, it seemed like there's you know the the first half of the album is is heavier and builds and then it kind of gets slower and slower and slower. And I don't remember any of their albums kind of sequencing that way so uh, where does it fit it stands out to me a little bit more maybe because it's been 10 years since their last album uh but but ultimately the way it's sequenced it seems so much different than some of their previous albums so i've i've never listened to any of their previous albums in in order like we do for this podcast right where i i all right i'm gonna listen to this album beginning to end multiple times over the course of three four days with the intent of listening to it feeling it and then commenting on it, right? But I have listened to their like 59 sound. And I've listened to um get hurt because you guys brought it up in the past, but I've skipped songs. Like I'm kind of moving around and and so I, I don't have a, a good feel. But to me, I remember your comment in the past, Gers, about some of the songs they released from this album being more produced than you would care for um in past gaslight albums. So I, I did listen to some more like 59 sounds less produced personally as a new to the party gaslight anthem fan and i am a fan i like this sonically because because it is produced and i do enjoy and we'll get into the 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 tone of it this is one of those albums that the sound of it wasn't something that i think i would i would think i would enjoy as much as i did i guess is the best way for me to say that right like i it is something that 
it spoke to me in ways like every now and again, an album will do that, right? Like you'll, you'll, you'll hit a tone, you'll hit like what they're trying to say, what, you know, the tone of it, be it, be it negative, be it positive or anywhere in between. Like it really spoke to me and I really enjoyed it. Every single track. Overall, this one sounds much more like get hurt than any of the earlier albums. It, and it's not just the production side of it, although it is, I, it sounded to me like it was produced in a similar way as, as get hurt. It's just the melodies, the guitar, almost top to bottom feels like Get Hurt. Like you're saying, Chuck, that there's a there's a little bit of a slowdown at the end of this album, which I agree with. And Get Hurt to me was the what was the slower of their prior albums. Everything else was was pretty loud. But I do think that Spider Bites, Little Fires, and Positive Charge, those three songs in particular, fit on any album. Uh, you could go all the way back to like sink or swim and, and find songs that sound like those. And I see what you're saying, Chuck, about how it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a look back for the band. And so some of those songs sound like that. And I think that's really cool, man. I, I liked the whole album. I'm a big fan. I, I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of these guys. And so um, I like the entire album, but I liked those songs that especially that, that sounded like a throwback to the older albums. Obviously these are Jersey guys, uh, inspired by uh, Springsteen, and you know he appears on one of the songs. But what was the best Springsteen song on the album? Oh boy, I, I think uh, this album reminds me a little bit more of the more recent Springsteen albums, right? Like more of a introspective. I'm a mature artist looking back on this huge, huge life that I've lived. Um, so which is the most Springsteen song, not counting history books where Springsteen actually appeared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, man, that's, that's a good question. I think a song like, oh God, like, you could throw a dart here. Uh, the weatherman could appear on one of Springsteen's more recent albums. Um, that, that kind of, that kind of song, a song like a lifetime of preludes for sure on, on one of Springsteen's more recent albums. So I, I would choose one of those two. It's really hard here because the low-hanging fruit is history books because to me, I listen to that song and it's a love letter to Bruce Springsteen. Uh, so much so that he's like, hey, put me on this song. And you know, like there was no intention of that. And that's the low-hanging fruit. The truth is, you know this, Gerb. When I send an email or something to you attached with a song, I'm like, these guys love Springsteen. I think you'll like this. And that was, I don't know when that was, like early 2000s to mid 2000s. You said email. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, I think yeah. it was an email. It wasn't I, it? <laughs> Wasn't it? It wasn't it after your wedding, or was it after Tersik's wedding? It was after Tersik's yeah, wedding. It was. It yeah. was earlier on. Um, if I if I don't take Hook History books, it might be Little Fire. Anything that's a little more upbeat and rocky, because the downtrodden stuff, the, the slower tempo stuff, to me stands a little bit alone comparatively to Springsteen, uh, and they were probably my most favorite songs on the album, which which is kind of weird. But the low hanging fruit's the easiest. It's history books because that song is a love letter to him and how he structured songs and how he wrote songs, and then so much so that he's like. Hey, this let me get on this song. That's why I, I would pick history books, even if it's the lowest hangingest of fruits on the album. Well, this entire joke was based on both of you guys picking history books, but you're both <laughs> wrong anyway. No, no. Uh, it's empires. The mm. lyric in that song, I, I came to this empire of blood, bone, and pearls, and I lived off the work of my hands. But I learned there's an evil in the heart of this world and much more in the heart of a man. That That is Springsteen, like River era, Nebraska era, just uh, I've worked my whole life and I'm miserable because this world is evil and hard. 
that's the best Springsteen lyric, I think, of the entire thing. But the whole joke was you guys were supposed to pick history books because it's the only one that he shows up on. But <laughs> I guess we'll move on. Let's see if let's see if this one lands any better. Mary Kill, Autumn by Gaslight on this al album, Autumn by Smashing Pumpkins, and Actual Autumn. <laughs> Mary Actual Autumn. <laughs> Autumn on this album, Kill Smashing Pumpkins Autumn. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the same no hesitation exactly the same well i'm gonna marry autumn on this album because i really liked it um i'll fuck autumn the season because i feel like you know especially around here sometimes autumn can fuck you back because it's like rainy and cold the whole time and i guess we're unanimous and that we're killing autumn <laughs> by the smashing pumpkins <laughs> i think all of gaslight's albums because brian fallon is just a damn poet um, there's always a theme that's running through it. What what did you hear on this album that kind of runs from beginning to end? So this is where this album, like I, it just ti timing, right? We've talked about this in the past with music, and you listen to any given album by any given artist, and and wherever you're at in that in that time in your head or, or just in life, it can speak to you. And and this one did for me for sure. And I, I thought it was an it was certainly an album of reflection, uh, a lot of a lot of pessimism, a lot of like dreams unrealized. Uh, introspective type thoughts, love lost, but then like that, that longing for love and some hope of, of that partnership. So a lot of that for reasons that we've talked about in the past, uh, maybe not so obvious on this podcast, but spoke to me a ton. So I, I do think it was a very reflective and kind of introspective, a lot of times negative and pessimistic type album, but there was some, some glimmer of a hope throughout the album. Welcome to Gaslight, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. I, thank you guys. Thank you guys. <laughs> The theme here, at least that I picked up on over the weekend, is acceptance that, that time has moved on and how to deal with the difficult things that you're going through. And then the more I listen to it, empathy. There, there's a theme of empathy on this album and like your your pain is understood. Again, the more I there's a lot of layers here and it's hard. I know we talk about this, like 48 hours or 72 hours to listen to an album. And some of them are easy to do, like the Rolling Stones last week. You know, like it's easy to do. And then, then you listen to something like this and it's completely different. Uh, so the theme, the ones that stuck out over 72 hours were, were those, like you went through a lot of stuff and you, you're dealing with that stuff. And there's empathy now because you're, you're growing and you're maturing. This felt a lot like the themes Gaslight has been covering from the beginning. It is a lot of depression. It's a lot of lost love. I, I'm not sure if the song about living above, like on the floor above the woman. song, yeah is yeah. actually a song about like addiction and and not one of adultery I, I don't know you might be right he was he was an addict like i was a little bit uh, i don't know if alarmed is the right word or just a little bit surprised that um suicide and like suicidal thoughts came up in several of these songs man it's just like you you never know man like these guys they they deal with these heavy things in life that I'm sure all of us deal with in some way, shape or form, but they do it by putting the words on paper. And it's just, it's sometimes it's brutal stuff to listen to. And Gaslight's trick has always been, we're going to play you a really sad song, but we're going to make it sound really loud and fun. Uh, yeah. So you're going to love it. And then all of a sudden you're listening to it. It's like, Oh shit, this, this sounds bad, but it was, it's a dark album. I think, um, I don't know if I saw maybe as much hope in it that, that filled it. I, I, I thought the darkness was pretty much 
going it was a from the beginning. It was only a glimmer. It was only a glimmer. <laughs> I saw it too. Yeah, it was a gleam. <laughs> the, the gleam that positive <laughs> charge. In positive charge, there was a little bit, and you know, it gave me hope in the middle of the album. And then it took a turn, and we didn't see it for a while. <laughs> all right, I know that we talked about favorite all-time Gaslight songs, but did you have a favorite song on this album? It's tough, and it was weird because typically for me, I've always liked the more rocking, upbeat Gaslight. But on this album, I like the more downtrodden and somber songs. And I tossed them up. At first, it was Michigan 1975 because that song, even though the the subject matter is very heavy in that song, because you're talking about the suicide stuff, group, it's beautiful. I don't know if I've heard songs sonically out of them that are are this beautiful. Uh, or that sparse where there's not a lot to them, but it's gorgeous. Uh, and you also mentioned the other, like, I think after listening to a little empires might be my favorite song on the album. Again, it's sonically different than what I'm used to liking from them. Probably those might be tied, but the last listen, cause I always do a last listen before we record this. And I think like empires kind of took the lead. Or if the Browns took you down a little yeah, bit, true. sent yeah. you down that path a little bit. <laughs> it's all about timing, right? It's all about yeah. timing and headspace. So <laughs> I, it's funny. I do have a favorite song. Uh, the three you listed, Gerbs, that that you said could land on any of their previous albums, Spider Bites, Positive Change, and Little Fires, I circled as potentials for my favorite song. But they all came in second. Uh, my favorite is A Lifetime of Preludes, the last song on the, on the album. I, I kept listening to that over and over and over again. It was one of the only songs that I, instead of letting the, the album turn over, so to speak, I would, I would listen to it multiple times in a row. And, you know, just it, Again, it's not a pick me up in any way. It's it's a slower track, but it, it was interesting to me what they were exploring there, where it's basically like, you know, no one really knows the struggle that you're going through, except for you. You have the people in your life that that are there to support you, of course, and but they can't really feel what you feel and they can't really think and understand what you think and understand at any any given in moment. So it's I, I love the line that they don't know where I was, they don't know, and they can't say whether I should have given up. That that spoke to me because I think we could have all given up in our lives and we haven't. So that was really powerful in my mind. Yeah. Mine was Autumn. Uh, I loved the guitar in that song. I love the melody and, and I love the lyrics because it is uh, it's such a great song about growing old. Well, we don't talk about it much, but I, I know we all feel it, man. Like you miss being young. And even if you're perfectly happy being old, you miss being young um, and you'd love to have shots at doing it differently. And he's got a line in there. Uh, I hate the way the time goes crashing over like a steamroller. I wish I could do my life over. I'd be young better now. And I don't think there's anybody who doesn't look back and think, oh, I'd be better at that time in my life if I knew what I knew now or if I'd seen it play out. Uh, and I just, again, like, I think Brian Fallon's a great songwriter, uh, and I just love the way that song came together. That was my favorite one. All right, bourbon scale, one to five. So again, I'm going back to the timing, man. I This this hit me. Uh, it hit me really well, and I really enjoyed the shit out of this album. I'm going to give it a four out of five, maybe even a four and a half. It's We're all saying the same things in different ways, and it might come out here. Um, you know, the, the fact that it starts aggressive and then winds down to a slower fade, it left me wanting like, hey, man, what 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 comes next? The analogy here, it's it's like an ex reaching out in the middle of the night because there's some like excitement of what you know and then the trepidation of what that means and where it's going. And it's somber, but it's also a reason to celebrate because there is a theme there that it's 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 good to be alive. Time passes quick. 
Memories linger. Uh, the songs grow deeper with each listen. Some of the darkest moments on this album are the most enjoyable, at least for me, because it's it's beautifully painful. It's big. It's not flashy, though. Uh, and some songs have an element of faith, uh, to which I liked a lot. Uh, the album, which, Gerbs, you were saying with Autumn, the album feels to me like a man reuniting with the boy he was, and he doesn't know if he should hug him or punch him. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> my last listen tonight, what I picked up more on it, it kind of changed the tone of it, is the female voice singing underneath a lot of the songs changed the perspective to me that like a lot of this stuff is about relationship issues. When I'm hearing her sing underneath him and harmonizing with him, it's like that I'm hearing that perspective as well, the other side of it. But overall, it's a really deep layered album that I want to listen to more and more. So I would sit at a four, two, four, four and a half. I don't know if I can say it any any better than you guys are. I'm up there, man. I'm, and part of it is I just love these guys. This is one of my favorite bands. Um, seen them live a bunch of times. They're just so much fun and so moving and so good. Uh, and so I'm I'm easily at a four and a half. This this is an album I will continue to dig into. I will listen to it like crazy. It has already sent me back to their old albums and listening to more of that this weekend too. So I'm probably. And I think my wife will be cool with it. I'm about to go on a pretty long <laughs> gaslight run um, in our house. But, uh, fellas, before we go, I guess it's worth mentioning that brand new billionaire Taylor Swift released 1989 Taylor's version this weekend. Um, you think anybody noticed? <laughs> <laughs> anybody give it a listen? I did. I did. What'd you think? You know, we're all Swifties on this podcast. So it, it was it was good. What I, I really... I took my time. I listened to it beginning to end because I'm just in that mode. Oh but the God. the last track, the la only once, not not ten times like I did Gaslight. Um, but uh, the last track on the Taylor's version, deluxe version or whatever it is, is the one with Kendrick Lamar, where he re-recorded his his uh, his verse too, and that was phenomenal. I think it was the only one of the entire album that I liked and put in one of my let's listen to this on a, on a random day kind of thing. I mean, they're all good. It's it's the 1989 album, right? We've already talked yeah. about it uh, in the past with uh, what's his name's remake of it. But yeah, it was it was good. Uh, listen to the Kendrick Lamar, though, the the um, last track on the album. It's it's really good. Blank space. Blank space. Yeah. His lyrics on it are great. And it made you know, I, I left that song thing like, all right, Kendrick, when's your next album coming out? Hopefully it's a couple of years because the last one made me feel mm. awful for mm -hmm. so long. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I listen. I I think the only one that hit my uh, for you was slut. And I'm like, why yeah. is my angel baby <laughs> titling a song yeah. called slut? Uh, and it didn't fit, I guess with 89, but I, I, I listened to a few songs to see if there are any subtle differences. And, and the truth is like this, this might be the end of her run of re-recording songs a re-recording album. So she's making the money and not her previous label, yeah. which at the end of the day, it's like the most punk rock thing she's Absolutely. done. Like, yeah. like the clash, all those bands that are so tough and punk, like now she's way more punker than all of you. It, it sounded good. And I was like, I'll never listen to this. way more punker. She's way more punker. That's the right verbiage. What's the correct she's a honk. She's right. a cheese honk now. <laughs> but no, I just listened to slut and I was like, uh, no, okay. But it's, it's 1989. It's a great album. Yeah, I listened to a few songs. It sounded just like the first version, so I just kind of I don't know. I'm I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great, but it it didn't it didn't make my ears this weekend. Anyway, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now, and we just did the whole show without mentioning that last week hip hop artist Blueface had strippers twerking in his suite during the Rams game while he threw money and chicken wings, and while he proposed to his girlfriend. <laughs> 
with that news, if I had gone that route with Tammy, she probably would have been mad until the wings came out. I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. <laughs>
like a, a Saturday. So a Saturday Night Live character that it's got to be a character up. or just because yeah. like Dana Carvey was in a movie when he was on Saturday Night Live. Um, and, and but he wasn't he wasn't playing like a Saturday yeah, Night Live no. character, but he did got to be a church so dirty yeah. work with norm mcdonald doesn't count because dirty no. work so that's was mean, that's a great movie. Movie. No, great movie yeah because then like billy madison and happy go <laughs> yeah, those no. weren't characters yeah. on yeah. snl so that's interesting because wayne's uh, world was gosh. a character on snl yeah that's why i mean yep. like i'm trying to think of a yeah. better one was um it's pat mcgruber i'm looking at him you know what it is actually i should know that it's the blues brothers Oh, the original yeah. Blues Brothers is yeah. a great All movie. Right. So listen, like that's a <laughs> like everybody thinks that's a great movie, and everybody talks about it being movie. a great movie. Um, I would I, like Wayne's World is a better movie. No, Wayne's World is no, way funnier no, than the Blues Brothers. Absolutely oh, not. Gosh, no, no, no. That the, that, the ladies' the, the man. Blues... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> these are all terrible. Yeah, yeah. If it's specific to the characters from the show, there aren't many. Yeah, there right. aren't many good ones. Oh, um, I disagree with you on the Blues Brothers. Really, it's like two and a half hours long, and like half of it is like a car chase through a mall. Like, give me a Great. fucking break, man! No, oh no, <laughs> I, it's got to be the best character that appeared on Saturday Live that became a. Well, I guess you said Wayne's World, but Wayne's World, yeah. So those are your one and two, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about reruns because like, I know that Denko has been going through game of Thrones and I came home last Tuesday night from after run club. And Tammy was like 15 minutes into the first episode of lost, which we, Ooh, we watched all of lost together. And then like when the kids were like in high school, we were looking for something to watch with them. We said, okay, Hey, let's, this will be good. you like, you guys will like this. And so we watched, yeah, almost the whole series again with the kids. Um, and I'm a hundred percent into it. I'm like, all right, I'll watch loss again. There's just nothing else to watch right now because of the, yeah. because of the strikes. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about next week. Yes. I gave up on loss. We're also, remember, remember, remember I was, wa I was watching lost, lost so much when, when we started this podcast, I had never completed lost and you oh guys said, gosh, go back. So you. I started watching it again and I got yeah. really far into it and I'm still yeah. not done. I'm still not done. Oof. That's worth that, that's worth watching. Sure is one of my favorite shows. So, well, hey, eleven thirty-one. We made I it. I tell you, uh, no, no, we didn't. We <laughs> have done we it. Twenty-nine more minutes to talk about reruns. <laughs> no. We're gonna do it's it next week. week. Oh, okay. All right. So I don't have to listen to any new music this week. I'll just stick with Gaslight. Well, I, I, I actually, actually really like you. Now that we started talking about it a little bit, I'd really like you to finish Lost by next week if you can. Yeah. I could probably. I think I've got. I mean, how many episodes in a season? Like ten? I don't know. No, that I don't was, know. Back then, it was like yeah. twenty. Yeah. Oh, that that's was, right. That was network TV. It was network yeah. TV. Yeah. 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 Oh God. God. All right. I'll I'll give it my best. But I'm so close to finishing Game of Thrones again. <laughs> they've they've got me. They've got me. I'm I'm in I'm in season seven. So now we're officially into the bad season, so to speak, right? Yeah. And yeah. I gotta tell you, I, I'm I'm way more entertained by season seven than I think I yeah. was the first time around. Like yeah, so far, the I'm like, expectations oh, this is still really were good. So fucking high. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Now, eight, eight might piss me off because they, they hit the fast forward button and they do a bunch of shit all at once, right? But yeah, yeah, like season seven has been good. Nice. Fucking snow coming to Ludington this week. Yeah, here too, I think. Oh, I think, yeah. Boy. Get some We're wet not- flakes maybe on Halloween. I think yeah. uh, Halloween yeah. we're supposed to be dry but cold, like 33 to 42, it looks like. But then snow later in the week, maybe. You guys taking the kids trick-or-treating? Yeah. Oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A bunch. Ready. We've done a bunch of Halloween. Is I didn't realize this until this year. It's like five events leading up to Halloween. There's, oh, no. There's trunk or treat. We mm-hmm. did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's Zubu. We did that. Nice. Um, and then yesterday was the Halloween parade. We did that. So you basically oh, it's a right. bunch of kids walking in their costumes. Yep. And then we'll close it out uh Tuesday with actual yep. trick-or-treating. The um the the video of your kids feeding like goats. Yeah, that was like oh I didn't even think like about that. that. Yeah, I didn't yeah, think about that. That's that, a pumpkin that was, patch, right? It was Pumpkin Town. Yeah, we did yeah. Pumpkin Town. <laughs> pumpkin Town, not even a wow. patch. It's yeah. a whole town. Yeah, it's wow. a whole town. Yeah. Yeah. They were feeding goats and I tried to feed the pig, but it freaked me out too much. I couldn't because it couldn't get its snout through and its teeth yeah. were gigantic. And I was like, eh. but the, the goats surprisingly are very gentle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were yeah. super gentle. The la- yeah. they had a llama too. Llama was real gentle, but yeah. All right. Hard quit trying to ahead. quit trying to quit trying Come to on. Yeah. I'm staying up anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. <laughs> it's oh, my boys. show. <laughs> no, no Halloween costumes this year, Gervs. No. Yeah. yeah, you know what? I just like I said, this is a manual labor weekend. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't thinking too much about something. We did that last year. I don't know. I yeah. don't like to repeat things. Which is why I'm so frustrated. I think we, I think that, we did it every our, next week our, reruns. I don't like. Yeah, right. I don't like to repeat things. <laughs> Let's talk about reruns. You know, I don't like this to be called out on my shit, Chuck. <laughs> we'll see if that invite makes it to your oh, inbox next oh, Sunday no. afternoon or not. <laughs> good. I love reruns. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, that's good. That stuff. was excellent. That was good. All right. All right, guys. All right, brothers. Fuck yes. all y'all. Okay. Yeah. I love you guys. All right. Love, love you guys. Boys. Have a good night. Have a great night. Good night. Go Browns. Go Browns. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?